0: Will you dunk your heads and uh, pray with me? Lord God, we just thank You so much. We thank You so much for, uh, for each other. We thank You that You've been the one to welcome us here. That You are the hospitable one. You are uh, the heavenly hosts. And so God, uh, we just ask that we would recognize You as that. That we would recognize Your Lordship. That we would recognize that You are the power and the authority this morning. Not just because it's Easter, but every day. Not because of an event, but because of our lifestyle. Not uh, because of anything, but what Jesus has done. Nothing added. And so Lord, we just thank You so much that we can come in here today and just be ourselves. Lord, I just pray that this would be a refuge, a place of peace, a place of uh, of stepping forward. Maybe just another half step uh, forward into following You. And so Lord, we just... Uh, thank You for the invitation You've given us uh, through Your Son to be reconciled to You, to be in relationship with You, God, despite our rebellion, our sin, uh, our aggravation, Lord, our tension, and um, even our hostility towards You, God. You have still reached us with Your love. You've gone over every b- barrier to reach us. And so, Lord, we love You. We thank You for today. We look forward to worshiping You, hearing from Your Word, uh, Watching people profess faith in you by being baptized today, and uh, we're just excited to be here, Lord. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. <laughs> hey, welcome to Red Sea. We're really glad you're here. Uh, my name is Sean. I get to do a lot of the speaking here and um, a lot of the teaching. And uh, today, uh, we're going to be we're going to switch books for months. If you've been coming here. Uh, We've been going through the book of Philippians. In fact, last week, we were in uh, chapter 3 of Philippians, and in Philippians, uh, Paul says this. Paul says, he's basically posing this question and this idea, and he does this in many of his letters. Paul says this. He basically says, is it enough to just have faith in Christ, or is there something else that we should be doing? And, And... The something else that that some people have proposed that we should be doing is actually called religion. So when there's a structure on top of Jesus, basically saying that you should work your way to heaven, you should work yourself into God's favor. Paul is reminding the believers in Philippians to say, it is in Christ alone. I'm excited to be able to tell you that over and over and over again in our teaching times that we get to say it is in Christ alone. It is not a religion, but it is about a relationship with a living God with who Jesus Christ is today, not a historical figure, but who Christ is today today. It is not about believing in Christ and then all of a sudden getting wooed away into your own merits. Like saying, I'm a good person. I can get this done. And so that's what Paul was saying last week in the letter that we saw to the people of Philippi. He's saying, it's only Jesus. And we talked about that structure that becomes religious. It almost becomes its own kind of tank or artillery. A threat towards those who are doubting or questioning or wanting to have questions to God. To just have the space to be able to think and, and to maybe have the idea or be challenged that, that, first of all, that Jesus Christ is Lord. But for some of us, we, that's a process. We don't just go, oh, Jesus Christ is Lord. A lot of the times, the hardest part of us seeing that Jesus Christ is Lord and not thinking that we have to be a good person is religious people. He's saying religious people can be quite oppressive. They can be very negative towards the message that is so clearly found in Jesus Christ alone. And so basically, last week, what we learned is Paul says this there's power, corruption, and lies in religion when man tries to tell another man how to deal with God. He's provoking us to go, What does the Word say to me? And what does the Word say consistently about who God is? And in reflection of who God is, what does that mean about me? What is this conversation like that I could possibly have with God minus a guy like me? Minus a pastor, minus a priest, minus who everybody says is religious. What would it be like for me to have a relationship, me and God? And Paul takes out the hammer and just starts... Crushing the power, corruption, and lies of religion that separates people, that constantly creates these dogmas that says, I'm right and you're wrong. I follow Jesus the right way and you do not. Do you hear the liberation in the real message? The real message is that you've been set free by Christ. The real message is that we're not taking a scorecard of who's got the worst sin in our community we're traveling together following god as a community because all of these letters that paul wrote they are to a community traveling together in grace saying you're okay i'm okay because god says it's okay for us to be just as we are not as we should be and a lot of times we hear the message in our own heads that says i got to be a certain way before i could be a part of anything to do with god That's a lie. So today, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I get to welcome you just as you are. We get to see ourselves on the same level, sitting side by side, going, What could God have to say to my life? And would it really matter? Today's that famous Super Bowl holiday for Christians. It's the one we, are, we get all geeked up for. When essentially the power that's offered and, and, and symbolically shown through this holiday, this power is available every day. The question is: is, the billions of people on the planet today that may be acknowledging Christ And being and acknowledging that there's an empty tomb today, one of the questions has got to be: Are these Christians just gullible? Is this just kind of a goofy little trip? Is this something that we get all dressed up for and then we come out to say, "Hey, there's an empty tomb. Jesus has risen." Or is it truly a lifestyle? Is it something that's true that, that this event called the resurrection, which we we'll call Easter, so loosely and, and so commercially in our culture, but is this the day of resurrection? Is this the day that Jesus separated Himself from every other claim? Is this resurrection different than reincarnation? Revivocation? Is it different than purgatory? The Bible says yes. The Bible and Paul, we're going to see a Scripture today where there's a very clear dividing line that makes us very uncomfortable. Jesus said what? Uh, Voices getting nervous. Hearts pumping fast. You mean that there's a difference between what Jesus says and what others say? and, And what Paul, the Apostle, says? And what the Scriptures continuously point out? that there is something that's been laid out completely on the line, that Jesus isn't talking about anything mushy. It's not kind of. It's not maybe he did. Paul is saying the claim here is that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he was resurrected, that he rose from the dead. And that is something We should be thinking about more than one Sunday a month where we get together for a bad brunch and with some of the relatives we don't always like. Let's be honest, okay? And maybe you're one with one of those relatives called a Christian who dragged you here. There's 30 of you being held bondage right now. I know it. I feel so bad for you. I'm going to try and make this quick and harmless. Except for Paul and Christ don't. Jesus lays it down as there's there's a very clear line here. Those who believe and those who don't. And He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through Me. That creates a lot of tension. And Paul's talking about that. And today we're going to look In 1 Corinthians, if you'll turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 with me. And I'm going to admit right now that I chose kind of a weird scripture, so you may not have heard this one on Easter. As we're turning to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, eventually we're going to start at verse 12 maybe. I don't know. You've got to leave room to switch it up. It's not fun if you're not switching it up. But in, I want to remind you of this. In John 11, 25, and 26, Jesus says this. He's, he's had these friends, their siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Lazarus has died and Jesus is having this conversation with this distraught sister. Her, her brother's been dead for four days at this point. And this is, these are some people that Jesus would hang at their house. This is where Jesus would have rest from his public ministry. These are people that, that he, he had a very clear friendship and relationship with. And so Martha's talking to Jesus, and, and she's talking about her brother dying, and she's She's, she's deeply saddened and she's grieving. And, and she speaks to Jesus and Jesus comes back and He says, uh, I am the resurrection and the life. He who lives through Me will never die. And then He says this to her. Jesus taught this way a lot through questions. Because Jesus wasn't imposing. Jesus wasn't here to set up a religion. He wasn't one to oppress. He was one to invite. He was one to liberate. But he would ask very powerful questions. So after, this, after consoling one of his friends that her brother and his friend Lazarus has died four days earlier, after they're talking and she's grieving, he says this to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die. And here's what he asked her and i believe that's this is what god is asking do you believe do you believe that when jesus makes these kind of claims to say i'm the one that's between you this broken world this darkness our sin our broken marriages our strife our pain This sin disease that's decaying the planet and everything around us has a lifespan now. Do you believe that I am the way, the truth, and the life? And then when she's when she's faced at this spot, he says, he reminds her again that I am the resurrection. What is this resurrection? I ask myself, every day in the mirror, what is this resurrection? Why would I put that tattoo on me? Because while we say, oh, if I believe in Jesus, I get to live forever. That is an amazing thing that Jesus claims. And that Jesus, those of us who believe in Him, that He delivers. But this resurrection means this, and maybe you've never heard this meaning before. This resurrection means a reversal of death. That you could start living now. Instead of living in the rhythm of death where everything is temporary, that you would have an eternal perspective through Jesus Christ to understand that everything that happens now matters. That there is deep meaning and purpose and that this isn't just some random lottery, but that God could actually be choosing you and pulling you into His good graces. That God would have a plan for you you but Paul right here and now we're going to read in chapter 15 of Corinthians. Paul has found a community that's weary and maybe you're weary too. I find myself very weary at times. I find myself going, "Oh, I'm following Christ. In fact, I'm a pastor of all people. Why would I have these doubts? Why would it be so hard?" It is and I'm here to tell you that anybody that's, that's sold you on fairy tale Christianity has lied to you or not set up. Maybe they had great intentions, but they have not set up the truth of what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Because if you were to walk in His ways, you should have lots of tension. There should be some strife. There should be suffering and persecution in your life. And you're like, really? 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 If we were to walk in the same ways, then that tension that's happening in us that God uses to bring forth beautiful things like a cocoon, right? Like something that's not beautiful. And He recreates something through the tension into something beautiful. And that's ultimately what we call the resurrection. And so if we are to walk in His ways, we will endure some of that same path because the Bible says, pick up your cross. Start to follow in the way of Jesus. But without the power of resurrection, without the big vision, without the focus that there's some meaning and purpose to this, we get back to, do I really believe this? Because I can tell you, I have to revisit that. Why would I want to come here and preach every week? Seriously. Who wants to prepare that to stand in front of others and why would we want to wake up and do this why would we want to go into other people's homes that believe in christ and 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 give our life away to them why would we continue to spend this time reading this word is are we the most gullible people why christ that's what he's asking Why are we doing what we're doing right now? Why is there just this much of an attention span in the depths of our hearts that says, yeah, do I believe that? Is this true? This is where Paul brings us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Will you stand as we read from verse 22? I'm sorry, verse 12. I knew I'd switch it up on you. that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are of all people to be most pitied. Will you please have a seat? Paul is saying, you're starting to get the mindset of people who don't believe. You're starting to live like people who don't believe there's been a line drawn. You're starting to be people that don't believe that Christ has the power. You are starting to be people that forgot that there was an empty tomb. You are people that hear the naysayers and who are actually, and he spoke about this in Philippians that we saw, that some are even called enemies of the cross. People that go out of their way to set up religion or set up new mindsets or set up new belief systems that contradict the fact that Jesus Christ is Lord. He says, you, believers, this is what this Scripture's talking to today, is you, you who already believe, do you believe and do you continue to believe? And if you continue to believe, do you allow the power of the resurrection to invade your life, invade your relationships, invade your decisions, invade the rhythm of your life? Are you, do you this is what Paul is saying. Paul's saying you're getting whacked out, you're getting over to the side. And so he starts almost this ridiculing, satirical lean-in on them, where he says, You call yourself a follower of Christ, yet you keep living in these other ways, these loosey-goosey, mushy ways, he says, then you're to be pitied. He says, in the end, your life doesn't really believe. You may not really believe. And the truth is, if you start listening to those who say Christ did not resurrect, that Easter is a big fairy tale. It is all about chocolate bunnies and hiding eggs and and the little kids getting amped up on sugar highs. It is not about Jesus being raised from the dead. He says, if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead, then what you're doing is a joke then the time that you're spent talking to an invisible God doesn't matter. And so, we go back to Jesus' words to Martha to say, do you believe? If you believe, don't waste your time. There should be meaning and purpose to your life. If you believe, what are you investing your life in? He's, He's scrutinizing them He's saying there's a tight argument here. There's no middle ground. He comes to this conclusion. He's saying if the resurrection is a fraud, if it's just all fiction, then you should deduce these things. Why don't you write these things down? He's saying, number one, Easter's a lie. We're just getting hyped up. We just got all dressed up to hang out just for some day that really, truly is empty and goofy I'd much rather be doing something else. If the resurrection's not true, we shouldn't be doing this. Goofy day, in America especially. He also says this. And two, he says, and look at verse 14. He basically says, gospel preaching's a joke. He's saying, those, and then obviously, gospel preaching's a joke if it's meaningless and empty, if somebody's up here doing this and taking from these words and spreading those words out, and if there's no Holy Spirit behind these words, if it's the the power of manipulation or persuasion, every speech class that we took, if it's based off of some guy talking, he's saying, forget about it. And he's like saying... Furthermore, those who speak about the cross as though it's true that Jesus died on the cross and that there's an empty tomb after three days, they're a joke. And that message is a complete joke. And anybody that talks like that, preachers, they're liars. He's being really clear about it. He's saying, let's just scrutinize this ourselves. Which, by the way, I hope that you know that Red Sea is a culture of doubt. That Red Sea is a culture of where we're allowed to uh, not believe. It's a place where we can work out these the situation with God, because we're coming with these really weird grids, broken lenses almost, as though we look at God and we see the cracks of everything that's come through our life. The injuries, the, the burdens, the abuse, the things that, that cause us to not see this story clearly. He's scrutinizing. He's saying, yeah, that's right. Let's quit acting like we have a rosy-colored lens. If this isn't true, that rose-colored lens that Jesus Christ came to tell us about a new kingdom doesn't exist. He's full of baloney but if it's true then live your life by it then follow this jesus then take the same empowerment that lifted him from the dead like no other and live by that receive that but remember last week's message don't become some pompous thinking you know more than everybody because you've received that power God has that power for those who are lost. And you were once lost. You were blind, but now you see. You were lame, but now can walk. Don't you dare take that power that heals you and brought you through the process and not allow somebody else to be in that process. That's religion when we say, we've arrived. There is no arrival when you follow Christ except for you continue to die to yourself so that Christ may be more illuminated and revealed to others so that they may be saved. And woe to us when we stand in the way of somebody else seeing Jesus Christ. Because of our actions, because of our bigotry, because of our discriminations, because of our hypocrisy. We must be humble people. And that's hard. That's why God put us together to rub shoulders with each other the Bible calls it iron sharpening iron that sounds real pleasant that's how I like to describe my relationships with people oh it's like iron sharpening iron <laughs> why couldn't this Christian following be easier because time after time we find ourselves with people that are nothing like us that are absolutely annoying let's just be fair Let's be truthful. Being the church, hanging out as the community of followers with Jesus, it's not fun all the time. And sometimes it's not even fun to be challenged by the scriptures that ask us tough questions. Do you believe? Do you believe in the resurrection? If you believe in the resurrection, it means there is new purpose and new new things for you to be investing your life in. Do you want new life? That's what Jesus has offered. Well, I made you write down one. We must assume the following. If Jesus did not resurrect, Paul is telling us that Easter's a joke. It's a big fairy tale. That preaching's a joke. Preachers are liars. And that those, he says, those that have come into Christ, those that believe they're dead already, but Grandma knew Jesus. Grandma's in dirt. Grandma didn't go to heaven. Grandma's not part of a kingdom. Grandma wasn't resurrected. Grandma's in the dirt. And so will you. And he's basically saying, you are the most to be pitied if you keep going with this story. If Jesus really was not resurrected, then live it up. Let's partay. Time to get loaded. Forget about commitments in marriage. Forget about real commitments to fidelity. Forget about sexual purity. Forget about... Keeping your marriage together. Why? What is that going to represent? He's saying, if we take resurrection off the table, then we better become the best of the temporary livers. If this is it, if this is us living 80 years, 73 years, 76 years, oh, and if we could make it to 100, that'd be amazing. Without, depends. If we could make it really far, somewhat healthy and with our mind, people would admire us without crapping our pants. That's, that's the best it's got to offer here. I'm going to retire down in South Florida or in Mexico if they don't steal my land. And I'm going to just surf the whole rest of my life. What are we doing here? He's saying. But Jesus keeps asking the question, do you believe? Do you believe? If you believe, then there's something to lay on the line. Lay the temporary on the line because resurrection is a, a nap. Death is but a pause. There's no more sting to it. You are eternally having victory over it because Jesus is who he said he is. But he says this, he presses in further. He says, And you're not forgiven. So. If you don't believe, if you believe through the resurrection that Jesus died and that His blood was shed for you at the cross that reconciled you to the Father, and you went, "Yeah, A.E. ticket, I'm going to live forever." Here's the other thing: the stinger is, He gets back and He says, "If the resurrection's not true, then you're not forgiven." So, how about letting the sh- game, the the sh- the shame, the guilt, let the shame and guilt come back? And here's The reverse of that, if you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, are you living with shame and guilt that you do not need to because you're lacking, allowing the power of the resurrection to cleanse you? Do you come to this table every week not really believing that God cleans messes? He welcomes us to the table which we call a sacrament, a sign of the true church to say this broken bread symbolizes Jesus being beat and His body bursting, His flesh being torn apart, Him carrying His cross for miles up to the place of the skull called Golgotha. He died for us. And He's saying, if He did not resurrect, what a terrible tragedy that is. But the sting that comes back to a believer is he says, do you believe? Because if you believe, you don't have to live in this guilt and this shame of sin. He's saying you're the most miserable of all creation if you really don't, if if you say you know Christ, but you don't live under the power uh, and authority of Christ. What is that? What is that to claim Jesus and then to go ahead and go live as a temporary citizen of this planet? Right now, let's just... Let's level with each other. Let's level with God honestly right now. What did we come here to do? Sing a bunch of goofy songs? Stand up? Meet people we don't care about meeting? Or will we allow God to examine our hearts and find the place of unbelief? Because nobody is believing perfectly. Where do we lack confidence that Jesus died and rose again? We lack confidence in what seems to be the reality a lot of times. Like, yeah, but this is reality. How come Jesus is never speaking to that person? That person's so antagonistic. I can't stand this argument. I've been in this argument 1,100 times. Make that 1,101 times. I... I'm in this financial situation. My marriage doesn't seem to be getting anywhere. I'm tired of my marriage being the same way every day. I'm tired of my selfishness. Every day I look in the mirror and go, there he or she is. I'm tired of being depressed. I'm tired of these kind of people. I'm tired of living in the rain. Nobody can. Oh, that was me. I'm sorry. (laughs) Dang. What is this power of resurrection? Is it affecting our reality? Because I can tell you it affected Jesus' reality to die. To sweat blood. Let's look at verse 20 through 24. I'm done with his scrutiny. He says this in verse 20 of chapter 15. Paul says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, for as by a man came death. By a man, he's talking about Adam, the sin, the fall, the corruption. For as by a man came death, but by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order Christ the first fruits then at his coming those who belong to Christ he's talking about the succession here's the ramifications of resurrection he's saying he's saying he did raise from the dead first him and now these others and then the past believers and he's talking about right, it's not it's not a different resurrection he's talking about these three ramifications He's talking about two people, right? Adam and the fall and humanity. And then he's saying, son of man, the one who redeemed what happened at the fall in humanity, the things that are actually affecting your lives, the sin that riddles you and your thoughts, the thing that you just can't seem to get over, You're, you're feeling crushed by. This is what he's saying. There is a huge tsunami of a rhythm that comes from this man dying at the cross named Jesus Christ that this is a revolution that sounds from that spot Throughout all of history. And the Holy Spirit calls you to that. And you know that. And when he calls you to that, he says, this is the truth. In fact, it's not and crazy, ridiculous, billions of Christians with this very dust in their mind. This isn't just some beautiful book that's been written so eloquently and coincidentally by all of these men over hundreds of years. No, this isn't just a story about one who was predicted 700 years before he ever came to the planet to live humbly before us. No, he's saying this is the truth. In fact, you know it. And you know what? You don't need to hear it from me and you don't need to even see it here because it's been written on your heart and you know it. And well, so when Jesus says, do you believe and you feel the Holy Spirit calling you because God is loving, God sees you in your dark places and God moves you beyond emotion and beyond intelligence and you're our peanut head, intelligence he calls us sorry if that sounded like a bad whack to your self-esteem but anyway he calls us to him that's why we're here today and that's why we come here on Sundays, that's why we go to each other's houses on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And that's why we tell people and we create tension, and we're at family reunions talking about that we believe in Christ. And people go, Do you really? You're kidding me. Yes, because I begin to think it through. I've taken an examination of my heart, and God asked me to repent. And when I repented and I came to the cross of where he died, and I know that there's an empty tomb, it changed my life. And we can argue about everything else, but my life has changed. My marriage is changing, my children are growing up a certain way. I'm living with a community of people that doesn't make sense on this earth in a temporary fashion, and there's no denying it. I'm sorry? That's what he's saying. Why are you living so sorry that the resurrection happened? Shouldn't you be the people that believe in the power of God and that therefore makes you the greatest lovers that the planet has ever seen because you follow the greatest lover? Come on now. What kind of assertion is Paul making? He's saying everything banks on the cross of Jesus Christ and the fact that He died and rose again. And we have to deal with that—not just now. Not because I'm a yapper; you're listening, held captive. Some of you are really like get me the heck out of here. That's fine. But what's it all going to mean? What's the true purpose? What will we really find in this Jesus, and this resurrection? Will we find new life? Will we find a way of living that is so obnoxiously full of love and power and acceptance and grace and truth that God shapes you a new life? I think so. I you know there's children in here. I'll abbreviate this. This is PG-13. Put your hands over the kids' ears. I was king, and I mean king, of the a-holes. I was a greedy businessman. I was an angry person. I was a cocky son of a gun. Some people knew me from when I was a little boy. Nobody had short guy syndrome more than me. I would punch people in the face just cuz I got to get the first punch in. I would steal money from employers. And the guy writing this book, he would kill Christians. He killed Christians. He he was actually king. I'd be like a prince in his a whole kingdom. <laughs> you can't say that in church. Yeah, you can. You really can talk normal. In church. Why is that important? Why would I stand in front of a bunch of people and say I was a jerk? Because he's healing me. I'm 1 to 5% still jerk. <laughs> Some would say 7 to 13%. <laughs> you trust whatever my wife says. there's transformation there's a real life today back here right now actually there will be people that will be baptized and i want you to know what that means is they believe in this resurrection they believe that jesus is who he said he was they've seen his power come into their lives If you're one of these people, will you stand up that's getting baptized today? Okay, will you guys go back here and let's do this. And will you give them a round of applause for their courage? There is power over death. There is a power in God's grace. And before we go back here to baptize them, I want to read something from Luke. And you know, you've been looking at this picture. And the reason I uh, asked Kathleen to use that picture, as you see doubting Thomas sticking his finger into the side of Christ, I want to remind you of something. That God is not upset because you doubt. I want to remind you that right after that happened, when He puts His finger in the side, just think about having a finger in your side. That could be annoying. I just want to assure you that Jesus didn't beat on Him. That Jesus wasn't like, how dare you doubt? What do you think this is? like UFC Jesus. That didn't happen. <laughs> no. Jesus loves him, and Jesus loves you. And you go, oh, isn't that reserved for a bumper sticker? Shouldn't that be a nice little magnet for my refrigerator? Or that should be a really great t-shirt I could buy at the thrift store. That would look fun. I just bought a sticker the other day at the coffee shop, and now I'm getting off. But anyway, it said... Um, Jesus, uh, wait, recycle for Jesus. I thought it was great. But here's the deal. Jesus is more than recycling and redeeming. He's redeeming and regenerating our lives. Resurrection means that death is now being reversed in your life. That the power of resurrection is taking the dead things that exist in your life. There is dead things in your life. We are dead men and women walking until Jesus shows up, until we believe in that resurrection, and until His power, His Scriptures, His Holy Spirit starts to reverse that. Tell me, do you want that to be reversed in your life? I just sounded seriously way charismatic, but just check this out. Seriously, do you want that to happen in your life? Then contemplate this resurrection. Don't just leave here today and just go, oh, that's my one time a year. Finally, I got to church Easter. I got there and Christmas. No, there's way more on the line here. And remember that he's speaking to Christians. Some of you who are not Christians, who do not follow Christ, you think I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you who say you believe in Jesus Christ, but do not live by the power of the resurrection. Therefore, you are not being changed. So when you come to the table every single time for 10 years with the same sins, you're not allowing the resurrection to change you. If you're like, oh, I'm kind of running. I don't want to be around church people. or I don't like Christians. You know what? God called them in as His family. If you're irritated about following Christ and being developed in community or deploying out to culture and going to dark places and being the person that say, and maybe for the first time it's very hard, you say, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus. And everybody's like,
1: oh my gosh, you're an idiot! <laughs> you're
0: like, yeah, that preacher told me that would happen. But the Scriptures say, do you believe? Will you, do you believe that you may live forever and never die? And if you believe that, why do you live as a dead person? Why won't you allow God to resurrect those areas of your life? And today that's available. Yeah, really. Like, No TV offer here. I'm not in charge of it. I'm just telling you about it. It's true. When you go to this table today, and you see this broken bread that represents Jesus' death on the cross. Why was that a good Friday? That was a good Friday because somebody took the wrath of God and all of the sins that Hebrews talked about, that, that you will be judged for your sins right after you die in Hebrews 9. It's a good Friday because he absorbed all of them. That the cup of wrath was filled by his blood as an atonement for you, and that is the power that will reconcile your marriages and your relationships and your life. Believe me. And when you take a piece of this bread and you dip it in that wine or that juice, and you believe what it represents, which is forgiveness, then that humility that you came to the table going, or even shame saying, "I'm a sinner. How could I be a part of this situation with you?" God says, "That's exactly why I called you to the table is because you are a sinner, and you are a rebel." And you have tried to work this out yourself and you have found pleasure in your own. Or you may say today, well, I only went to church one time this year. And God says, what are you, a religious person? He says, I'm calling you to a relationship. There will be a point where you may want to be with other people who are traveling the way that I'm asking you to travel and follow me. That's called grace. This is a true story. Aren't those the best? Of a Savior that died for you, knowing exactly where you'd be today. And some of you, for the very first time, are hearing this. And more importantly, maybe some of you have heard this hundreds of times this story of Jesus dying for you, but more importantly, maybe today's the first day you actually believed. the people who will be baptized here in a few minutes believe. And what they're doing is they're professing their faith of believing. And what's being symbolized is that their old life, whatever they were king of that wasn't so hot, gets buried in a watery grave. And as they come out, it is a symbol of the new life that they have in Jesus. It doesn't make them perfect. If you're uh, have one of these people in your family, don't expect them like, to be like perfectly changed now. They're not paying for your brunch or your lunch, okay? <laughs> but they are accepting their life in Christ and they are being forgiven. Will you please pray with me? Lord Jesus, we love You so much because You did die. And then after they wrapped you in hundreds of pounds of linen and spices, that enough would suffocate you, they place you into the tomb of a rich man, but the Scriptures say that you are a poor man, a homeless man, no place to rest your head. And so, as the prophecy said, a rich man's tomb, and it happened, and while you were dead. That couldn't have you couldn't have orchestrated that, and all of the other five hundred and above prophecies that happened because you are who you say you were, and that you said all of the laws and the prophets, all that has been written to the Hebrew Israel nation, is our lineage. And so you have fulfilled all of the scriptures. So all of the scriptures essentially point to you. And God's saving hand of sending His Son to us. And so God, help our unbelief. Help our doubt. And help us to continue to doubt openly. We love You, God. We thank You so much for the truth that we find in the Gospel. The earlier part, I think it's 1 Corinthians fifteen three says Christ died for our sins. Thank You, God, that You're renewing and restoring. From the time of our belief, our renewal begins. And the earth and the heavens, the new earth and new heavens will come later. But we have a special place of renewal. We're a special place in Your sights. So we love You, God. We thank You for the people who are about to be baptized and what You've done in their life. We ask that, uh, Lord, we would seek You all the more that those who are doubting will find answers only from you. We love you so very much, and we thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Right now, we're going to have one song. We're going to take an offering. Okay, some of you are going, oh my gosh, they pulled me in here and they want my money. No, we don't want your money. If you believe, in Jesus if you believe in the mission of loving the world and loving your neighbors and it's an expression of you loving God and you invest in this life and you believe in this mission that God has called you to then give to God you're giving it through this funny paint can and you're giving it through this expression of the truth but this isn't the only church on the planet this is a part of the church So if you are new, we would love for you to absolutely be the guest and do not feel any obligation to be a part of putting money into this offering bucket. So we're going to sing one song, do our offering, and then we're going to see some baptisms, then we're going to sing, and then we're going to jet. If you want to go get your kids, uh, you can go downstairs uh, during this next song and go ahead and get your kids, and uh, I would even welcome that. So, okay, we're ready to roll.
1: Hello, everyone. Um, This is uh, my mother, Judy, and uh, I have the honor to uh, baptize her today. Um, Just to give a little brief story, um, I'm going to be brief because this is about her today. It's not about me. Um, She uh, told me about Red Sea, and it's where I accepted Christ. It's where my family accepted Christ. And so it's an honor to be able to baptize her today. And so I'm going to give her the microphone if she wants to say anything. Do you want to say anything?
2: Okay, Russell said I only had a minute, but you guys know me. Um, Several years ago, I talked to Warren about my connection with God and my earlier baptisms. I've been dipped, dunked, danked, and... Southern Baptist, Northern Baptist, Lutheran, all those things. But the one thing that was missing was each time I was that happened they connected are you willing to follow the tenets of the church. In other words, they, they put God with following what the, the what the church was and it wasn't about God. It wasn't about giving my heart up. It was about more about going and following the rules and regulations of whatever the church. When I came to Red Sea, I started letting go of that stuff and I realized that I kept asking God and praying saying, Hey, do you want me to give myself to you? Or is that were those several dips, dunks and danks, are they what it's all about? And he kept, I kept hearing him say, just wait, just wait. And a little while ago I was still praying and saying, what do you want me to do? And, The next thing I know, my son calls me up and and asks me if I wanted to be baptized, and he wanted to baptize me. And I just start crying because it was like, thank you, Lord. Now I know why you said I needed to wait. But this time it's about giving my heart to the Lord and not having it attached to a church. I know that it's attached to God, and I I don't have to connect the two. And thank you.
1: So you believe that Jesus died and was raised for you?
0: showed up, uh, she should have gotten consent from her family because her whole family now is following Christ. So uh, not just one person, but the whole family. So um, if you're praying for people in your family, let this be an encouragement. Laz, you want to get baptized this morning? Yes, I do. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you have anything to say about
3: come to church was bow your head and you leave and I could go play with my friends but then when I started getting older I started noticing that I started noticing the changes in life and the in God's power and what it helped me my family and everyone around me through and just just seeing that just made me happy and want to move forth and then I heard about how there's going to be a baptizing on Easter and I just felt like God was calling to me and I just wanted to get baptized and I I felt like it was an open chance.
0: Kim Chu, and uh, will you give Kim a welcome? Kim, you're going to be baptized today. Do you have anything that you want to say? Yeah.
3: Um, for uh, most of my life, I would say that... Um, I walked with Christ and um, I guess today I kind of feel more like I'm following Christ, that he's leading me and that he turns around and he calls to me and that I'm not really, really I'm uh, standing by him necessarily, but um, that he's calling me for it, he's encouraging me uh, and uh and I've been blessed by being surrounded by many people who have been encouraging me. I have my wonderful wife, my family, and all of you guys. Red Sea has been an amazing part of my life where you've shown me what it is to be. One who calls them a follower of Christ. You've encouraged me, and um, just by looking out and seeing how you've lived your life, your uh, strength to move forward, um, you've kind of lifted me up in that that way as well. And so I thank you all, and I praise God that uh, I could be here today. Beautiful.
0: I just want to say, uh, Kim was one of these guys that uh, absolutely almost from day one had questions and uh, came to me and uh, would have appointments and we would sit and we would talk and uh, and we could we'd pray about things and and he would go and, and process it and he had uh, a family and his wife like he 's talking about that that would process that with him and uh, it 's been a very beautiful process to see it it 's been a very innocent process to watch him come from uh, the Catholicism that he knew into a relationship with Christ. And so it's just a pleasure to be here with you, Kim. Oh, this is so much fun. Isn't this fun? This is my friend, Corey Thomas. Yeah. Uh, They really like you, Corey. I'm glad. Yeah, you're a good guy. Um, If you don't know, Corey is uh, really... uh, Thank you very much. I don't want this thing to fall in the water. Anyway, uh, Corey is... uh, really been like an unofficially started out as like a uh, collegiate intern and really is an unofficial unpaid staff member here and and um, I can remember the day that I met Corey he had hair about down to here he looked like he should have been in a rock band or something but um, but Corey's got a great story and it's uh, it's been awesome to watch him grow another guy who asks a lot of questions and um, so it's been awesome so why are we here today
1: uh, so it's a long time coming um but I can remember growing up Christian home going to church we never really seemed to fit in I it's funny to think of a there were years in my life where I felt guilty for not being baptized for being afraid and timid of the group that I didn't know to be baptized in front of to be a nameless face that came in and sat down and then left on a Sunday but I realized that God sharpened my heart to recognize a church and a community that cares about one another. And I just am so thankful to look across this room and realize that every person I want in this room right now is here. And you're like you're my family, like my, my real family's here and but my real family's here too, like, you know. And so I'm I'm super thankful that God would bring each and every one of you into my life and attuned my heart to the value of a community that preaches the gospel and lives honestly together and it took a life of not having that to then realize and be so thankful for it when it's here so that's why I'm here I want to attest that to you guys
0: My friend Joe, will you welcome him? (laughs) Joe, Joe's been traumatized, my friends. This water is not warm. People are throwing stuff back here. Anyway, uh, this is my friend Joe, and um, it's been awesome to watch Joe come here. and uh, And if you're in his home community, You've probably had a front row to watching Joe and the changes, and if you've been in relationship with him, uh, then you know that uh, God is doing a, a deep work in Joe, that he's not just allowing God to just pass him by. And so uh, Joe's here because he's ta- taking God up on his offer. And so, Joe, do you have anything that you'd like to say? Let's
3: not drop this in the water and kill myself and Sean. Um, Sean pretty much said it. Over the last year, my life has changed drastically. Um, There were a couple people in my life that wouldn't let me skate by with not challenging myself and challenging my faith and growing. And it's because of them and the members of my home community and everyone here at Red Sea that I'm here today doing this, professing my faith, really kicking it off, starting my new life, starting everything over again and leaving it all behind and let's get it on.
0: Coming into the tank, uh, last but not least, is uh, my brother Dom. It's just uh, ridiculous what God's been doing through Dom's life and what he's calling him to and And uh, if you doubt about God interceding in somebody's real life, then come talk to Dom. Dom came uh, to my office and uh, was letting me know something that I didn't even remember. A couple years ago, we were standing at a coffee counter, and I invited him to this place called Red Sea, and he took me up on that invitation a couple years later and, and came here and uh has accepted Christ, and uh, hearing his story and his thankfulness for what God has done in his life uh, will supercharge you and has supercharged me for the next ten years because if uh, we work this field and and commit to the to the Lord in this area um, if at the end of ten years there's another Dom sitting in my in my office, uh, I will do that and uh I hope that you will ask him about his story so that uh, it would be inspiring for you to continue to commit to living the life for Jesus so that others can see that. Dom, uh, do you want to say anything? Okay.
3: I'm, just, I'm shaking up here, but I just want to thank God for the work that he's doing in my life and for changing my heart and my, just all of my thoughts. I want to thank the church. I want to thank Sean. I want to thank Dave Cronin and our home community and i just I'm just so grateful that that I've just been brought into this family and that my family's here and that my friends are here and i just I just can't explain to you just the the emotions that I've been feeling lately and i just I just thank God so much.